This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. By letting go of your past, restructuring your belief system, and utilizing tangible tools, you can know and experience the truth that you are born enough. Valeria interviews Andrea Lynn. She is the best-selling author of the book, Born Enough, The Holistic Blueprint to Remembering. Andrea's passion is to help you know that you are enough and mentors you into enoughness in all areas of your life, body, mind, spirit, and emotions. She has the ability to see your true nature through the eyes of the divine and helps you embody and create that true divine reflection in the world. She began her own spiritual awakening as a teenager when she became a metaphysical mentor. She has extensive experience in body-mind wellness, is a graduate of the Institute of Integrated Nutrition, affiliated with the Teachers College at Columbia University. Some of her certifications include NASM Fitness Trainer, Qigong, Reiki, Shamanism, Master Angel Practitioner, Chakra, Arcturian, and Quantum Healing. Andrea has helped thousands of people reach their personal health and wellness goals and improve their physical and nutritional health, as well as their emotional and spiritual well-being. Her efforts in health and wellness have been featured in an article and on the cover of Woman's World magazine. She appeared as a personal trainer on Lifetime Television's Mission Makeover. Andrea is highly intuitive and has integrated all of her certifications in health and wellness, as well as in multidimensional healing, to help you level up as a human by embracing your enoughness through all areas of divine health. Not having divine health means something in your consciousness doesn't believe you can attain this So it is time to be in alignment with your birthright allowing all the higher guides of light and love, such as your higher self, archangels, ascended masters, and star beings to support you into ascension. Meet Andrea Lynn at andrealynn.com. Here is the interview with Andrea Lynn. In your own words, who is Andrea Lynn? I feel that 
if I had to shorten that, because that could take years to explain. <laughs> I would say that's, that is a, or I am a soul that has a lot of compassion and integrity to be here on this planet right now and to help us all really just find our passion and joy and move the feelings of not enough and unworthiness out of the way so we can thrive. I hear a lot the words soul and spirit. Some people, they separate them and they have different definitions for them. Do you also have different definitions for these two words? For me personally, I do feel they're separate. I feel like the soul is the part of us that is whole and complete at all times. We all have that. And it's the part of us that is just organically connected to the universe, God, creator, whatever you want to call it. And our spirit is an essence of the soul, but it's also tied into our personality and who we are. So it's like an essence of us. So it can have the both, I feel, again, our soul and our ego kind of intertwined in the spirit. So I have lots of questions. But before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Born Enough, The Holistic Blueprint to Remembering, I have these warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. Is it possible or is there such a thing as to be healed, to be there, a destination? Well, in uh, I would say in Eastern philosophies, it's something that is you're always working towards. And I truly believe that we're going to continue to do this for 500 million trillion eons. Right. <laughs> so true. It's not really a destination that... <laughs> Maybe we're going to attain before we don't have the body that we're in anymore. Though I do feel that healing means, are you growing and evolving? Can you wake up tomorrow and say, hey, did I learn something about myself from yesterday that I can take forward into my life today? And am I still ready and willing to be aware and be conscious of my words, my actions, um, everything about your being. I feel that's all tied into our healing and enlightenment. So awareness is the key. It might be the key. That's a big key, right? It's like, are you aware? Are you aware of your thoughts? Are you aware of your body? Are you aware of your actions, your words? All of that comes into play in being healed, right? Is like, and I think a lot of people do have a different definition of healing and healed. But for me, it's like every single day, do you have growth in who you are as a person? And do you feel a little bit more free in your spirit and connecting more deeply to your soul? What is freedom to you? What is to be free? To be free would mean to get the heck out of the mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Because our mind is yeah. the shackles mm. of everything. It's the, our mind that says <laughs> we're not free. It's our mind that says, oh, you only made $100,000. Don't you want $200,000? Right. You know, and so I do feel that we're free every single day. Um, and to feel the freedom of life. I So what I do, I'll give you an example. When I feel stuck in confinements of my mind or maybe stuck in confinements of what I, when I'm looking around and what I see in my life, and I, geez, oh man, I feel a little stuck. I feel like I'm a little bit in shackles. I go outside and I look at a tree or a flower and I literally just look at it 
And I say, wait a minute, this is free. Even though this tree has roots, Mm -hmm. it's still free. It moves in the wind, it bends. So we have that ability too. It's just that our mind tells us a different story. So if we can allow the mind to tell us a new story, I do believe that that's where we, we can feel the freedom. Your work, it's a lot about intuition and also thoughts, feelings, emotions. So I'm wondering, how do we know when we are listening to our intuition, accessing the intuition in our thoughts or feelings or uh, limited beliefs or delusions, imagination even? When we can shut down our senses. Okay, so let me give you an example. A lot of us are obsessed with outward stuff, Right, right? right? We're like, who can I trust? Who can I not? Who don't I trust? What do I look like when I look in the mirror? What am I driving? What's out there that I want to get to? That's so external. But if you can start to turn inward, so giving yourself your senses, something that they feel safe with is a way to get the mind out of the story for even five seconds so that you can hear your intuition. So I'll give you an example. You want, I call it like blessings for the senses. So what do you love to look at? What brings you joy? What do you love to hear? What brings you joy? You know, a song. What do you love to smell? Maybe it's an essential oil that's like your favorite. Mine is Palo Santo. I love the smell of burning that. Giving those senses something that they like allows them to drop the defense mechanisms and be able to turn in and like hear what's the secret sauce within Mm -hmm. ourselves that are talking because the intuition is in and around you at all times. It's what's, it's like the divine intelligence within you, right? So if you can shut down the senses that kind of correlate to the mind and let the mind start to have really fun stories, <laughs> then you can tap more into your intuition because your mind gets quiet because the senses are are like um, giving it a really juicy piece of chocolate, let's say. And so it goes, oh, it feels so good. And in those moments is where you can hear and feel that intuition. But for some people, maybe it's 10 seconds, but 10 seconds can turn into 15 seconds and 20. And then all of a sudden, a year later, you're like, geez, I'm really feeling my intuition and I'm following it more because I'm trusting it. I love that, Uh, that word trust, right? So what is your idea of being in the moment? Is that the same thing or being balanced? It's another word that I hear a lot. I think the, the word or the phrase being in the moment is really important right now, especially what's what's going on with what's going on in the world, because we're so focused on what's going to happen. And before we were obsessed with what our past was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and now we're like, oh, geez, what's going to happen in the future? Yeah. So being in the moment allows, I think, what you were saying before, to build on the intuition and to be in the moment. One of the ways to be in the moment is what I had just suggested is like give the senses a beautiful um, gift, a blessing to them. And that allows the senses to be quiet so that you can say, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm right here right now. 
And for one second, I didn't have a thought. And that's humongous because you're probably reading this everywhere too, but the whole brain heart speaking to each other and there's a heart magnitude and there's this coherence that happens. When that um, heart coherence happens, the brain then starts to function a little differently. So that be here right now also ties into what you said about the mind. And so they, they're really important actually to, to work together with. What is the purpose of life uh, to you, Andrea? Ooh, that's a juicy one. <laughs> I feel like my purpose, your purpose, I th- this is my opinion. Um, again, working with mentors for many years because I feel like it's important to be a, a student and a teacher simultaneously all the time. And so I'm always studying with teachers and I'm always teaching. And um, what I find in a lot of ancient philosophies again i like to go back to them cuz they're they're really there's so much wisdom in those right what i find is they all are saying the same thing which is the purpose of life is to devote yourself to something greater whether that's right god universe creator and if that is our main goal is like that connection every day is our number one priority and how can you live it, not just in meditation, but we're walking out in public, talking to other people and have that connection because when you have that connection, what your soul came here to do organically happens. What do you think is the opposite of life? Um, well, I would say death, but it's not because we really still keep living. (laughs) (laughs) It's just in a different form. Um, it's, it would be the opposite of life to me would mean you literally stay imprisoned by yourself Mm. and your own thoughts and your own fears and your own shame and your own guilt and your own unworthiness. So that would be the opposite of living life. And not that when you're really living, you don't have those things because I think we do. We're human and we're being at the same time. But I do feel that if you were to never get out of them and just stay in that hamster wheel, that would be the opposite of life. What is the meaning of physical death, of death itself, losing the body? to you? Well, that's interesting because for me, I feel like we just transcend, right? We get to leave the physical body and continue to grow and evolve. We're just in a different form. Though I do feel like because, you know, you read my book and I work with the body, the mind and the spirit. And I started as a dancer and I am still a personal trainer. I just do it a little differently than most. But I feel like that the body is the really important conduit that most people don't recognize in life that can help us grow and thrive and evolve as we transcend and as we also transcend out of it, right? It's like, we're just, I feel it goes back to what you asked me before, you know, what's the purpose of life? And, and it's like creating, um, connecting to something greater every single day. By the time you're ready to leave your body, boy, oh boy, is that going to be something really magical because mm-hmm. you have evolved so much. I always think of it like a, our soul just keeps growing and growing and growing and you know where we go in the ethers and how we can support and still help in many different dimensions. And that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. What do you love most about being a woman? Ooh, <laughs> I love that. 
we can multitask like nobody's business. <laughs> True. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of people that say multitasking is not good because you're not focused. But there, I feel like we can really multitask. Like, I mean, we can raise, we can say to our kids, hey, we're going to focus on this, but then we're also teaching them at the same time. So you might be cooking and teaching your child at the same time cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a gift that unfortunately I don't see a lot of men have. And maybe there's some out there that do, but mm-hmm. we can multitask. Amazing. And I feel that especially right now in this time in the world, it's about women have a very um, strong powerful presence that we bring creativity and nurturing and warriorship kind of to a really different um, game. You know, I feel like we can embody all of those at one time. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman, in your opinion? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this, this, which is why I decided to like spread this, wor- this message in my book is I feel like I have not met a woman yet, and today's my birthday, actually. So, in oh, 40 happy years, birthday! Yeah, wow, <laughs> wow! Uh, I did not know. one woman. I don't think I've ever met a woman that says, "I feel completely a hundred percent enough. I feel so worthy," and I've never had an experience of not feeling worthy. So, I feel like that the challenge is that for some reason we compare ourselves to other women instead of just embracing our differences because in the differences is the beauty and that we are worthy of everything, no matter what we look like, no matter what, you know, where we came from. It doesn't matter that we all share the common stuff, which is being a warrior goddess, which is um, being a nurturer by nature um, and being able to create the most beautiful things. I mean, we're, we are the ones that can carry children. I mean, that's a, that's powerful, but I feel like most women don't really feel that to their core. They have these stumbling blocks, some worse than others of like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm worthy. And then what they'll do or what I see and what I've experienced personally is like, well, I'm going to prove it. And so we do it out of force, not out of genuine creativity. So true. I can relate to that too, unfortunately, Um, (laughs) in the past. Yeah. Yes, right. What is love to you, Andrea? Oh, love is everything and nothing. It's Mm. like the Tao Te Ching, right? The Tao Te Ching is like, if if you can name it, it's, it's not really that. Right. But I feel that love is that divine intelligence that I've been sharing about. And so many people look for an external love to shine back to say that you're, oh, you're worthy. Oh, and, and you, yeah, you're love. Where love is everything. Love is the water you're drinking, is the food you eat, is the air you breathe. And if we can remember that, I feel like we change our entire uh, biology. It might not be learning as much as remembering. It's so, I, it's innate. It love, that vibration is innate within us. We are born with it. I mean, think of a baby. A baby loves everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm. What, where, and who is God to you? Ooh. <laughs> what is God? Where is God? And who is God? Where, God is everywhere to me. God is in the table that I, is in front of me, in the chair I'm sitting in. God is every single vibration. Um, in and around me, uh, where it's everywhere. 
and who I don't know if I can say it's a specific there's if God is everything and everywhere, there's not one specific who, but I do believe that God, this intelligence has placed many sages and saints in our world to say, Hey, look, there's different pathways to find and remember me and to know me. And you can find any of these sages and saints or all of them. Cause I, I actually could totally geek out on many different sages and saints and different religions and traditions because ultimately they're all saying the same thing anyway. How did you become a writer? Oh, geez. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, it's not something that I was born and said, oh, I'm going to be a writer. Okay. Actually, when I was born, I wanted to, I had big dreams of being a performing artist. I love dancing, singing, acting. And that was like all I wanted to do. I was obsessed with it, actually. <laughs> and then what happened was, you know, obviously life's journeys uh, threw me what I would say off course, but probably put me right on course. But I was starting to study different healing modalities for my own health and wellness and mind and, you know, just struggling with, you know, I had my son at 24 and then I went through a toxic marriage. So I was really searching for something. And through the, along the journey, I had so many, like I said to you before, m many different teachers and I still have many teachers because you can never stop learning. Right. Um, but I would say a handful of them kept saying to me, you're supposed to write a book. And I was like, laugh, like, what am I supposed to write about? This is funny. It keeps coming up. <laughs> and um, then I was, I had a, I, at the time I had an in-person um, studio where I was doing, working with clients hands-on in person. And I had a, a woman come that I never met before. And she came in one day and I did this healing with her and everything. And she went to leave and she turned around in the hallway and she said to me, oh, by the way, you're supposed to write a book. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? What? Like this woman doesn't even know me. And so I thought, okay, it keeps coming. It keeps coming. And so I actually was working with um, a mentor. He was based out of London, England at the time. And I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to write about, but I keep getting this message. And, you know, I'm intuitive and I can talk to archangels and, and I keep asking them what they want me to write. And I hear crickets. I'm getting nothing. <laughs> like it's weird. And he said something so profound that it, this is what tipped it for me. He said to me, the way the world is right now, people used to channel books and those were messages from like the ascended masters and archangels that needed to infiltrate the world to help vibrationally. I said, oh, okay, well, that's not happening. And he said, well, it's because right now what needs to happen is that every single soul has a heart frequency vibration. And so you need to write from your heart and that vibration has to spread into the world and the angels and the masters, nobody's going to give that to you because it's your own heart that has to vibrate here. Mm. And I hung up and I thought, Oh, that's wonderful. I get it. But what am I going to write about? And, <laughs> and I thought, what has been my greatest challenge? And, and do I have tools from that greatest challenge? And my greatest challenge was feeling worthy. And that's how the book was literally born. <laughs> The heart needs to express itself. It needs to be out there more. It's been suppressed. That was definitely my case too. You pose an interesting, powerful question. Why do I feel so empty? And you explore in your book this idea of emptiness and not enough patterns and in so many different ways. What is like to think that we are not enough? And how did you hear yourself? 
Well, as you, you already said, you know, in the book, there's a lot of different examples. And I wanted to bring that to the table because not enough shows up for all of us very differently. So I might share my story and you might be like, well, that's not me. So I'm good. <laughs> right, right. But right. for some women, it shows up. It's so hidden. But ultimately, um, like you said, there is this emptiness within us that I don't think I could even, I don't think years ago I could have said I felt an emptiness, a void right? I just didn't know what I felt. I feel like, how do you know that you feel that emptiness? Usually it's, you want to fill it with food because food fills a feeling of being hungry, which is empty. You could fill that with sexual activity, right? That's some, that's a pattern that I did actually back in the day. I was like, I felt so empty. I didn't go to food. I went to men really. And I was like, somebody fill this void. And it, it never got filled. It was very quiet in me that I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. But when I became aware of it, then the more aware of it I became, if that makes sense. You mentioned in your book, emotions and feelings. Um, how are they different? Ooh, yeah. So actually, I give like the whole, um, I forgot what page that's on, but the the difference between an emotion and a feeling. So a feeling is kind of like, it's not really real, right? Our mind says it and the emotion is more tangible. For instance, feelings tell us how to live, right? And emotions tell us what we like and what we don't like. Feeling states that um, plays like there is a right and wrong way to be, where emotions, there's good and bad actions. Feelings really kind of just alert us to anticipated dangers, which a lot of times they're not really there. Like worry is a feeling, but maybe there's no danger. <laughs> Yeah. But we still have this worry, right? True. <laughs> where, where emotions alert us of immediate dangers and prepares us for action. So emotions could be, I feel like emotions were, were set in us innately to run from the tigers. Like, okay, crap, I'm in fear and I better run right now and that's going to save my life. So I feel that a lot of people feel haha, are stuck in the in the feeling state a lot of times versus the emotion state. And a lot of people get tripped up on the feeling versus emotion, right? So happiness is a feeling, but joy is an emotion. Joy is an emotion. That's interesting. Right. And happiness comes and goes. We know that. It's like waves. Right. Five minutes ago, I could have totally felt happy. And right now I feel, oh, I feel like yeah. a little sad. But yeah. do you continuously feel joy? That is very different. And, and I noticed that a lot of people are trying to find feelings there or they're addicted to finding those feelings versus how about we just plug into the joy or the emotions of things because it's almost deeper. You said something very interesting that called my attention. Uh, deep inside me, I knew there was a light and truth and I was determined to find and experience it. Do you believe that we all know deep inside that we have this light and this truth? Heck yes, we do. <laughs> we just, for some reason, we allow our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our siblings, our friends to tell us different. And we believe it and we take those stories to be true and they're not true. Because again, I go back to when you were a baby, like a real baby, all you needed was food, warmth, shelter, right? The basic necessities, but you felt so, you felt amazing. You smiled, you cooed. <laughs> and yes. like we have, that is still in us. Unfortunately, we just, 
heard these stories about other people usually, and they projected onto us and we took them on to be true, but they're not our truth. And if we can kind of discern what's ours, what's not ours, then it's easier to move through that and that feeling again. And I think it goes back to what some of the questions you were asking in the beginning. It's like, stop looking outward to feel our worthiness, but we have to look inward and feel that light and that joy and that spark of divinity within us. And even if it's for two seconds a day, I mean, just by you saying that sentence, I'm like, oh, I feel that again. And it's such a good feeling. It's like, no matter what happens right now, I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Really simple, actually, in a way, isn't it, Andrea? Yeah. But hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And even me. I mean, geez, I Mm -hmm. fall back too. Again, I'm still learning every day and growing. Do you connect this idea of the feeling or this concept of being enough and knowing that we are enough to being authentic? I definitely think they tie in together because when you're enough and you're tapped into that spark of divinity within you, you're authentic because it doesn't, I think there, okay, so here's where people get tripped up. Being authentic means I get to speak my mind and it doesn't matter because I'm going to be myself. Yeah, that's awesome. But you also have to consider how are you going to, how's that stuff going to land? And if everybody is God wearing a mask, then you also want to present that as if they are your teacher and your master, even though they might be being really crappy to you. But how will it land when you speak your truth and you're authentic? And can you do it in a way that is still holds integrity and is compassionate? And that I feel is the key, right? It's like, there's so many people that say, I'm going to be, I'm being authentic. I'm speaking my mind. That's awesome. It's, it's really time for us to step up and speak up, but it's also being considerate of how, how are you expressing that? Are you still expressing it with the authenticity of divinity? From my experience, from listening to the voice of intuition, it's always kind, always wise, always Loving, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't want to hurt other people, right? No. It might just want to make no. a stand, but it's going to do it in a way that's respectful to you and to others. In your book, you said, I hid my true self because I was ashamed of these dark feelings inside of me. Why are we so afraid to embrace life as a whole and we keep choosing one side, one part of life, yeah, a side. That's a good point. And separating everything. I feel like for me, if somebody saw that I had that darkness in me, right, the anger, the rage, maybe I'm not as book smart as somebody else, and they saw that, that they would judge me and that I would just lose everything and everybody around me because they could see all my flaws and it was too vulnerable. and who the heck's going to love that? Because it's not lo- it's not loving and kind and compassionate, right? It was like, <laughs> all the stuff we want to run from. Right. That's cute. <laughs> Do you think that this is how most of us think and navigate life? And I, Yeah. And I think that's awesome because it does tie back into being authentic because we are both. We have it's like there's yin and yang and in the yin and the yang, there's dark and there's light. And if we can find the groove in the gray, oh my gosh, we're thriving. <laughs> and so we're always, okay, let me, there's a great analogy that I learned when I was in actually nutrition school 
interestingly enough. Um, but it came from Debbie Ford. And Debbie Ford is now, I love her. She does. She did a lot of self-help stuff. But she was talking about the shadow side of us. And in this one lecture she did for our class, and she said, we spend so much time, if you think about our shadow side as a beach ball, and you're in the pool or the ocean, and all you're doing is trying to keep the beach ball under the water so nobody sees the beach ball but they just see this other part of you playing and laughing and you're you're expending so much energy to keep the ball down that you're going to be exhausted so if you just let the ball pop up then people can see both sides but that doesn't really really make or break you it's just a part of you and yeah. honestly i think people can relate to say oh man yeah i have anger too yes i have rage too sure i have guilt it's the only way we can experience this from my perspective uh, having opposites, right? Okay. Right, because if there was no dark, you wouldn't know light. And if there's no light, you wouldn't know dark. So we definitely need both for the balance. I love the uh, the exercise for transformation that you have in which you talk about the element of the mind and then the element of the body and the element of the spirit. The title of your book is Holistic. You are embracing and bringing together all parts, as we just mentioned, embracing life as one and not creating separation. I'd like you to talk to me for a moment about the 90 days to enough plan basics. And you also have the um, 90 days to enoughness plan. Yeah. So I created, these are all the tools that you can implement in 90 days, right? Because 90 days, it takes 30 to make or break a habit, but mm -hmm. 90 days, it gives you a good chunk of time and it allows you to go slow and incorporate the body, the mind and the spirit. And so these are tools that I use and they're tools that I actually used on so many of my clients that work. So what I did was I just compiled them and then put the plan together. And so the plan um, starts with this forgiveness flush. And we do it with food and with mindset. So there's specific foods you go into, three days of forgiveness, and you're flushing out not only your physical body, but your mental body. Then we start to look at the mind, like where is your mind? What are your thoughts? How often are you, I mean, what, 60, 80,000 thoughts a day and half of them, it's, they're so subconscious, we don't even know the tape is playing. To pause and say, where was my thoughts? What am I thinking? And then when you go, part of that is the body that I think a lot of people leave out. And for me, my body's helped me with lots of deep messages over the years. So, and becoming, you know, as a personal trainer and as a dancer and as a, um, a nutritionist, all of those come into play. So, I want you to look at the body like on a metaphysical lens or in a metaf metaf metaphysical lens. I can't even talk right now. And um, if we do that, we look at, let's say, our, our butt, our glutes. And now our glutes for many, many, many people, they misfire. They're not really functioning properly. And that's why a lot of people have low back pain. That's mm -hmm. why a lot of people have knee pain. But if we tie it together with feeling our worth, it's like the glutes are the seat of our power. So where do you not feel in alignment with your power? And so what I did was I came up with specific exercises to activate the glute muscles so that with intention, you can say, I'm in my power and that these muscles are firing so that you're connecting literally the body and the mind and the spirit. And like you said, there's food involved in that too, because just to, to make it short, because that there's a lot of pillars of food that can get looked at here. There's like five pillars to feeling enough. But if you just look at it in short as food is a vibration, 
Not feeling enough is a vibration and feeling enough is a vibration. When you don't feel worthy, do you feel depressed or do you get anxious? So if you feel depressed, if you're that person that like when you're not enough kicks in and you're like, oh gosh, I feel heavy. It's hard to get out of bed. I just want to sleep. And then the best food to help you with that is to eat foods that grow towards the sun. So like uh, dark leafy greens, lettuce, that grows up. And so that vibration, you start to consume it. And then all of a sudden, with the intention of feeling your worth, oh, wow, I'm starting to feel lighter. I'm starting, that depression is lifting. And if you feel anxiety when you don't feel worthy and your mind's going a million miles a minute, that means you're not rooted enough. So you need foods from Mother Earth that are rooted. So beets and potatoes and carrots, they grow down. And that way with intention of feeling worthy, now you're starting to root and you're starting to feel safe to be in the body. You're starting to feel safe to feel your worth. So it's that's all a vibrational alignment, basically. Talk to me for a moment as well about uh, intuitive eating and bio-individuality. Yeah, bio-individuality kind of goes back to what I was saying before. When we don't feel worthy, we it shows up in different ways, right? And it depends on our family history, what were the projections of our parents? How did their unworthiness show up? Do we do we model that? And when it comes to looking at making changes for yourself in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, there is no one size fits all. There's a guide. And then what you do is you use the guide and go, okay, this really works. Oh, this doesn't quite work. What else can I add? And and you have to really understand not to compare yourself through your journey at all because that's where bio-individuality comes in, you know? That's like thinking of Italians. They thrive with like pastas, let's say. I'm, I'm Italian, so sorry if I'm offending anybody. But yeah, pasta, meat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they thrive with that. But if you get a, mm-hmm. like a German, they thrive with more potatoes and sauerkraut. So you have to look at the bio-individuality even down to that because everything, again, goes back to vibration. And what is going to help your body and your mind and your spirit thrive is that's the key to it. Um, and what was there was another piece of that. Sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah. The intuitive eating. What is your take on that? Yeah. Okay. So I love this one too. So the more you can get into your body, right? And a lot of times our trauma keeps us out of our body. We want to escape it. We don't want to feel anything. But the more you can get into your body, the more you can have this relationship with your body as, okay, body, you might not be Mm -hmm. the way I want it want you to be and you might not be functioning the way I want you to function but I love you and I how can I help you and how can you help me and so you start to build this relationship with your body and believe it or not I hope you believe it your oh, body <laughs> starts sending you cues to say hey can I have this and I don't want that and so um, I've luckily, knock on wood, I've taught my daughter, she's 13 now, but I've taught her to do this. And so interestingly enough, she'll out of the blue, she'll say to me, mom, I really need mango. And I'm like, oh, okay. Her body is asking for mango. That's not something she made up, right? And it's a whole food. So I'm like, okay. Or mom, I'm really needing shrimp. So like with the mango, she's needing more of like the, um, the minerals from there, and the vitamin C. And with the shrimp, same thing, lots of minerals and shrimp. So her body asks for it. And that's intuitive eating is to be able to say, my body's asking for this type of food, not junk food. That does not count. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it's not coming from the same yeah. place, right? So, 
said I want to do, then you have to say, okay, well, that's mm-hmm. my mind. And what is my body feeling? And why is my mind trying to fill a void? So it can, mm-hmm. it all right. intertwines. And again, it's our teacher because you think your body's craving, you know, potato chips, but maybe it just wants to get grounded and maybe it feels very stressed. So it needs the crunch to help de-stress. I have a few more questions, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? If you want to open your book on a page and just read it, that'll be interesting. Yeah, too. well, that's what I just did. I said, you know what? It's just open to whatever everybody needs. And believe it, I opened up mm. to chapter seven yeah. and the first page of chapter seven, which is eating to enough. And so the, the first uh, paragraph here says, believe Believe it or not, that seems to be my language today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Food is a huge part of the not enough syndrome. That's what I call it. We use it to fill our emptiness or we use it by cutting out completely, starving our bodies because we don't feel enough. It's not the food that is the culprit, that the not enough syndrome is fueling what we do or how we interact with food. So I think that's important, right? Because a lot of people don't have a good relationship with food, but it's not the food. It's the syndrome. It's the not enough syndrome. And and can we, first of all, accept that? Yes, I have it. And then start to say, and how am I going to move through this? And, and I've had... I have a a few online programs now that women have stepped into. And, you know, my intention for them is to feel worthy. Their intention is like, I want to release some weight and believe they do both. Let's put it that way. And so I feed them what they want and I give them what they need. Thank you for doing what you do. This is very important for all of us as a community. Yeah, world community. passion. I love it. And I'm so grateful that I have this opportunity to do that. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? That definitely has changed, especially the um, older I get in age. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it too. (laughs) Yeah. I feel at this point being successful means that I have really pumped the muscle in knowing and understanding the power that's greater than me and allowing that power to really guide me and trusting and having faith that I'm connected to it every day. And to me, that's success because when we are in those, I mean, I've had those moments. I'm sure you have had them too and somebody listening too. When you have those moments, it's like everything clicks, right? It's like somebody sends you a check, you get a new client. All of a sudden your body releases weight and all these like really amazing things happen. So to me, that's success. And that's my personal goal that I I said, I'm going to just do it every single day until I'm not here anymore, at least in a physical form. (laughs) Beautiful. I love your answer on that too. How realistic it is to set as a goal to love ourselves unconditionally. How realistic unconditionally loving ourselves really is. I definitely feel that that's, I have not met a, a one person that says, oh, I love myself unconditionally because I do feel that that is something that we are here. That's part of our path for every human, I feel. This is my opinion. And that it's work. Every single day, you have to remind yourself of how amazing you are because you're amazing. Yes, we have flaws. We all have flaws. And the good thing is, is that when you recognize them and say, okay, yes, I have that, but I'd like to be better. And then you take one little step to be better. But do I think we could do it? Absolutely. As long as you're willing to do the work 
and the training. It's like a marathon runner. They have to train in order to run it. And we have to train to feel to feel our worth, to, you know, to feel that inner self-love every day. I don't know if it just one day I wish we could wake up and be like, oh my gosh, there it is. Right. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like the idea of enlightenment, right? The right. destination. I think yeah. definitely intertwined for sure. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I probably would put the pedal to the metal and just go all out there full on as far as like, I have other books in my heart that need to come out. So I probably would write and write and write and write to get that done. I would love to go to Egypt and be there in a, in, in a physical form. So I would just say, oh, I don't care what's going on in the world. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, an interesting list you have. <laughs> And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Well, I know for sure that it's always changing. We're never stuck. We're only stuck if we choose to be stuck. That, is that one or two? I don't even know. Whatever. That's one. <laughs> Sounds great. So it doesn't really matter. All right. <laughs> All uh, the ten. One thing I know for sure is that when we devote ourselves to not just ourselves in the materialistic world around us, that magic happens. And I know that when you are focused on something and you do the work without expecting a result, and I know that's a really strange uh, theory there, that also really amazing things just come in alignment. So it has been a beautiful conversation. I love your passion. I love the commitment to this message that in you, it can be heard. So thank you so much for that, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you and all the work you're doing out there also. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? That's easy. You can just go to my website. It's www.andrealin.com. On the website, you can find my books. You can find my 21-day Elevate. You can find my eight-week evolution program. And I'm actually putting together right now a five-day divine body reset, which includes a lot of the 90-day blueprint. Um, but just easy, attainable. Let's just do five days. So all that can be found on my website, andrealin.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye from now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Andrea Lynn and her work, please visit andrealin.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.